Howdy, folks. I'm Jeff Gonzalez, former Navy SEAL, founder of Trident Concepts and host of the Bulletproof Workshop, powered by AR15.com, where we discuss knowledge, skills, and ability to help bulletproof your everyday performance in whatever your field or passion. Welcome to Podcast 036. My next guest is a former U.S. Marine and competitive shooter, having achieved several titles and championships with various shooting associations. He has worked and consulted with many companies on both product design and sales development, having achieved great results delivering quality products to the marketplace. In this process, he's trained thousands of students over the last several decades from all walks of life, both professionals and private citizens. He utilized the lessons learned from his experience and observations to push the boundaries of product innovation. Renowned for his preference and exploitation of traditional double action firearms, he's provided training and instruction on the finer details of mastering the long pull. He's a Marine champion contest shooter, lookout innovator, handgun educationist, and long pull savant. Please welcome to the show, Ernest Langdon. Thank you. Ernest, thanks for coming on the <clears throat> Who show. Who wrote that? That's, I, I, I like that. <laughs> you can get a copy of it if you like. <laughs> Put it on your I Love Me wall. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks again for coming out to the show. I really, really appreciate it. You know, this is, this is one of the ones that I've actually been looking forward to just because, you know, your, your, your stance in the industry is long, you know, you've been in this industry, like what, about 30 ish years? years. Yeah. yeah so I start, realized the other day that I, <clears throat> I started teaching advanced shooting at, uh, 30 years ago, <laughs> 1992, uh, when I was on active duty. So I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, years. Yeah. we're not too, I mean, we're, we're apart. Like, um, for me, it was 96 mm-hmm. when I really started to do it professionally <laughs> as my profession, you know, like performance of my duties right. at, at the, at the center. So, uh, it's kind of interesting to see the parallel tracks that we have and all the things that, you know, you've accomplished in this time period. So I like to start our podcast off by helping the audience, the viewers to kind of get to know you a little bit, starting with, you know, where did you, where are you hail from? Where did you, where were you raised? But before I let you answer that question, we're going to take a quick pause to thank our sponsors. New for 2023 from CMMG, the compact action descent is now in nine millimeters. Their descent line took portability to a whole new level, and now they've done it again. Available in 6.5 and 10.5 barrel lengths, this compact platform offers the modularity of the AR-15 while being compatible with a wide range of magazines and ammo. The soft recoiling radial delayed blowback system makes this pleasant to shoot and comes with the reliability that CMMG is known for. For more info, check out CMMG.com. And we are back. All right, so Ernest. Where do you come from? Where do you hail from? Uh, I grew up in North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. Nice, beautiful it's, area. It is. It's funny because it's uh, it's Matthews, North Carolina. I don't know it well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's not anything like when oh. I grew up there. Um, I was the second to the last house before farmland. Wow. So, um, I I was fortunate. I feel like I was fortunate where I got to do a little bit of suburbia on mm. to the literally in one direction, and the other direction was farmland, wow. a horse barn where I could ride horses. I could literally walk through my neighbor's backyard and go hunting, uh, <laughs> out the, you know, so <clears throat> very, you know, kind of unique, but that I can't do that there anymore. There's, I think there's, I joke, there's a caribou co- coffee where my um, horse barn used to be. No kidding. <clears throat> so. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. I, I kind of grew up in um, central Texas where, where, where I, when I go back to visit, I, you know, we were considered like the other town mm-hmm. and now we've been in, in, enveloped by the, 
the main city. So it's like crazy. So, um, sounds like you had one of those types of childhoods where spent a lot of it outdoors, a lot of it doing the things that kids our age back then just Mm -hmm. did naturally. Yeah. Did that kind of propel you in your military career or what, what kind of got you going in that direction? Um, that's a good question. I, uh, as far as the military career, I always knew I was going to go into the military, I think, except for when I was really young, Mm. you know, you're like, I'm going to be whatever. Yeah. Like when I was really young, I was like, I'm going to be an, I want to grow up and be an Indian. (laughs) I'm going to run around in moccasins and woods and that kind of thing. Yes. And then you grow up and go, I can't do that. (laughs) It's not going to, that doesn't really work out. Not a career path. No. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of, I always wanted to be a little bit like when it was the Cowboys and Indians, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm the Indian, not the Cowboy. Nice. Kind of yeah. So, um, so probably some psychology going on there. <laughs> I'm sure. I might, I might be a little bit different. <laughs> well outside of my pay grade to figure that out. So you're yeah. on your own there. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of, a lot of time in the woods as a kid. My dad said I'd leave in the morning and come back for, to eat at night. God, I remember those days too. You know, I mean. I think it's really impacting in a sense because it helps to kind of um, paint a picture for, you know, what mattered to you and the direction that you took. So was there something in your childhood that kind of was a watershed moment that's like, okay, this is my path. I'm on it now. Um, I would say the big, probably the big influence was when I was in high school, I was in a uh, junior ROTC program and I had a, uh, Walter Paget, Master Sergeant Paget, was a retired Marine, Korean War vet. Wow. Um, probably to this day, one of the best leaders of men I've ever met. Uh, very influential from nice. that standpoint and made the difference for me, you know, wanting to be a Marine. So, nice. Yeah. You know what's so, <clears throat> I had a similar kind of experience where, and the reason why I bring this up is because I, I, I look at, I look at people and I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I kind of put people in buckets. Like there's a talent, B talent, C talent. And you know, if you are a talent, you're looking for other a talent. And, and when you're still kind of in that forging process, that very moldable process, you really gravitate towards what you believe is your pathway, you know? So in this case, the leadership that you saw from master sergeant was yeah, it? Master yeah. Sergeant, yeah. So was huge, you know, that made an indelible mark on you that just poof. And, and, and I think that's something that speaks to the mentorship that is so important for, for men, young men, as, as, as well as older men to have good mentorship and kind of guide us in that path. So master sergeant puts you in the right path and right after high school. No. And well, yeah, right after high school. Well, um, yeah, I did. I woke up one morning with bloody knuckles and a bruised head and said, yeah, it's time. Oh no. <laughs> Did you Before, have a court order? <laughs> no, no, no. But it was, I, I knew it was going to happen, but I was like the delayed entry program was like, oh, you'll do this. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. You don't, I don't need, I can just do it when I do it. Right? Yeah. Um, I had already done all the pre-work, the ASFAB and, yeah. and all of those kind of things. Um, but I was, you know, I graduated and I was, uh, working construction and, um, doing this stuff. And I went out with my buddies and it was one of those nights. Um, and, uh, got up the next morning and said, okay, dummy. <laughs> time for career change. <laughs> it's, it's time to do what you're supposed to do. And nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- those types of moments though, can be very powerful motivators. <clears throat> you know, they can get that, um, you know, cause there's always that 
you're looking into the abyss and you're like, oh shit, that looks, that looks like a big change for me. You know, change is scary. But when you have that push right into the abyss, it's like, okay, <laughs> oh, well, there I go. <laughs> um, let me ask this question. Like when I talk to people and I'm, I'm always looking to see kind of like, what are their cheat codes? What are their kind of like their secrets, if you will? Is there something that you do for yourself every day to help kind of move the needle in a positive direction? Every day, maybe not every day, but yeah. you know, something that you do habitually to try to keep moving forward. Uh, not as good as that. I would like to be, Yeah, but I would say that I think fitness oh. is huge. Yeah. Um, I think that you, you have to continually, especially when you start getting older, right? Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to, you, you've got to prioritize fitness and and I've had several moments along the way where you get wrapped up, you get super busy, all the things Man. are going on. And then you, you know, you step out of the shower and look in the mirror and go, who's that guy? <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Reel it back in. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta prioritize that. So I would argue that. And uh, my wife and I are both uh, proponents of that. I love hearing that. <clears throat> I mean, especially as couples that just, it's, it's a, yeah. it's not just, it's a, it doesn't double the chances. It's like an exponential factor. You know, when you have somebody that has the same kind of beliefs, views, and can kind of, you know, you because we're going to have our ups and downs. You're going to have those days where you just don't want to do anything. And then you're going to have that, that, that gentle assist into. It's uh, very funny that you mentioned this because um, just like the night before we left for TACCON and we're moving the shop into another building. Oh, just wow. All kinds of stuff going on. So we're both exhausted. And it's the, it's the night before and we're like, we need to work out. Yeah. And she's like, I don't feel like it. I'm like, I don't feel like it either. So it's, that's too bad. <laughs> you know, cause <clears throat> I love the that joke that the, the joke that we, not the joke, but the, the reality of that is people say, you know, how do you stay motivated? And the answer to that is motivation is bullshit. Okay. I like what I'm All hearing. Right? I mean, you're, yeah, it it's is not totally. The, oh, I just can't wait to go work out. It's like it's disappointing. You. Yes, I don't want to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. We're going to go out there, and we're. You know what? Might not be the best workout ever. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I can. And then you know, you know the drill. I mean, right now, yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with a shoulder injury, oh god, and, and a knee injury, and all these other kind of <laughs> stuff. But you get out there and you you do what you can. Fortunately for us, we we've set ourselves up. We have a an amazing home gym. So oh, we yeah. can just go out there and no excuses. We don't have any excuses. Like, I, love like, oh, I don't have time to drive to work, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we do it when we're on the road too. And of course you've met my wife. She's, yes. <clears throat> she is. And again, same thing. It's not a motivation thing. It's, I, know. It's, I mean, you could say, and she's big, strong personality, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff, but and she's got the discipline. Even when I don't, she'll be like, Oh, I'm going to go for a run. So you can stay here if you want. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah. She, you know, she, it doesn't matter. We're on the road. She's, and I love that, man. She's, yeah, very important to my success at this point without a doubt. Well, I tell you, that's another thing we could talk about for hours is, you know, having that uh, swim buddy, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I love how you, motivation is bullshit. Like, I love that. I mean, seriously, though, because, you know, when I was a buds instructor, you could see all the, the chest beating that was going on. But when push came to shove, you, those were the ones that were the easiest to predict would ring out. 
they were because oh, yeah. they just, but the ones that were disciplined, the ones that knew the, the, and, and I try to explain like, what does discipline really mean? And I, it's like, it's like, it's like trying to, trying to identify pornography. You, you, you know it when you see it kind of thing. Same thing with discipline. Uh, and what I tell people is like, you know, if you didn't bring your discipline, it's like an island. If you didn't bring it with you on the island, you ain't going to find it on the island. Right. It, it has to be innate. It has to be kind of like part of your DNA almost. Well, I think that's true, but I think it also can be developed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think people can go, you know, kind of one step at a time. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to be better. Right. right. Um, so I'm going to flip a switch. And, and my advice to most people is like, don't try to do it all at once. Like, don't try to be like tomorrow. I'm going to be like, I've got to deadlift 500 pounds by tomorrow. Uh, David Coggins. Yeah. I'm going to like go out and run all day. Right? Yeah. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. But, and then I think it kind of did for him. He was like, he, you know, but yeah. he's. Those are the anomalies, the outliers. Right. But I mean, if you can just start making those changes and like, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to start doing that, yeah, whatever that is. And then that's going to become that habit. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think we are, you know, we are byproducts of our habits. And so <clears> if you program good habits, that's, that's how you start to make those daily gains that over time, like I'm sure like for you stepping onto the, uh, you know, stepping onto the range and, and getting, you know, getting as good as you are now didn't happen overnight. And you can see it watching you on the range. You can tell this is, this is decades of perfecting, perfecting the trade and like waking up every day and doing something to kind of help push that needle forward too. And I love watching that. Like I, I do, I truly appreciate that level of whatever field it is. It could be anything, but I do appreciate that because that just is, that is to me money, mm-hmm. like money, just watching that happen. You're like, okay, that's somebody that is disciplined and has the kind of like the know-how to get there, you know, cause those are the two things like discipline will only get you so far. You got to also have to make sure, you know, you can keep butting your head against the wall over and over and over again with discipline. But if you can combine it with the know-how, the knowledge to kind of get going, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the key. Um, yeah. So to tagging onto that, I would say that the interesting thing right now is that, you know, information is free. Oh God. Right. So <clears throat> if you want to be able to do something, yeah you can go learn how to do it. So true. And, um, the, you know, you may not have like, well, I don't have the degree in this. So, so who cares? You go put the information together, go seek it out, start doing research, start putting it together and learn how to do things. Um, and that, I mean, that's been, you know, very important for me because (laughs) I didn't go to college and I went, I got out of, you know, high school and went straight into the Marine Corps and, the Marine Corps taught me a lot of good habits and things along the way. But at the end of the day, you have to say, oh, I want to be good at this Mm. or I want to do this. This is my passion. Yeah. I'm going to go dig into it. Let me go see what I can find out. Let me go, let me go find information. Let me go read books. I mean, I, I tell people in my, you know, classes that I didn't, when I started really saying, I want to be good at shooting, I was reading books on golf and tennis. I love that. And eyesight yeah. and adult learning. They weren't shooting books. Yeah. They were other books. Yeah. Like be, be better at all of the things. God, I love that. Physically. Yeah. Um, and then learn how to apply that to your trade. You know, what's so interesting to hear you say that is you're one of the only ones that I've actually heard that is put the time and energy into 
to learning how to learn. You know, like <clears throat> you can read a book on shooting and probably get something out of it, mm -hmm. but really until you know yourself well enough to know how you learn, mm -hmm. a lot of that information, there might be huge nuggets of knowledge that you just can't extrapolate because you just don't understand how to learn. So I've, I've done the same thing. And it's funny that you mentioned golf because especially when it comes to shooting, I don't golf. I know I don't either, <laughs> but I have, I, uh, I have some, I have some clients that were, you know, former PGA pros and to, to talk with them and see the parallels between oh, yeah. the level of precision and accuracy within their, their domain mm -hmm. and how they actually, like, I just, you know, just go to the golf range and hit balls, but you know, the, it's go to the shooting range, just shoot bullets, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't produce the outcome that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So that was actually super cool to listen to how they do it and actually watch them learn something new. Like they came to me to learn how to shoot and do shooting stuff. And so to watch them take what they had learned through their experience on the golf, on the golf uh, or in the golf domain and actually take that same knowledge. It's a force multiplier. It's like, it just takes everything that they do. And it's like, you know, they're not a, they're not a novice. Mm -hmm. They're coming in almost at like an intermediate level because they have that background. Well, they understand the mental game. That's another thing too. I mean, that's huge. They know how to be positive and make changes mentally and flip the switch and go, okay, here, you can do this. And yeah. all those, you know, yeah. all of, we could dive into the weeds for hours about oh, that. No. Um, but for sure they know how to do that because I mean, you talk about pressure. If you're a PGA tour, like, you know, it's coming down and you got to make, you got to make putt. all those different shots and you're going to make that long putt or whatever it is. And again, I, I, I'm not a golfer. So, yeah. you know, my, my dad was a golfer. So yeah. he loved golf and, I would sit and watch golf with him, sure. especially as he got older. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, you know, so that's what I know about golf is well, from what I read and hundred percent. I mean, it, and I, <clears throat> I, I have gone out on the golf course for like bachelor parties and, uh, charity events and stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm just like, as long, it's like, just keep me pointed in a safe direction. That's all I want. You know, my, my wife calls it military golf, left, right, <laughs> left, right. I love that. That's funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, let me ask you this question. What was the hardest part of growing up? Ooh, um, hardest part of growing up. Boy, that's a deep one. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the social aspects of growing up are probably difficult, learning how to deal with people, manage friendships, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's important, but I feel at this point, I feel so blessed because I grew up in the seventies. I know. I grew up in the seventies. I was in high school in the early eighties. Yeah. So it was a completely different world. And I, I honestly have so much empathy for kids that have to grow up in the age of social media of. I ain't that the truth. You know, I got to have a self image on out on the web for everybody to see. Yeah. That's horrible. Oh God. You couldn't, I didn't have that. You couldn't be more right on about that. I, I do. And I, I have two boys that kind of grew up through the social media age in high school and it was <clears throat> and for difficult and for girls. I can't even imagine. I, uh, I mean, I only had boys, so I just, I, I, I had the difficulties of that. I can't even imagine for girls. So I just think, uh, I mean, my daughter's now, you know, late twenties, she's, but she's, uh, she managed that fairly well, I believe. Nice. Um, she didn't get too, 
she never has really got too wrapped up in yeah. Instagram for, I mean, for a long time, she's like, I'm not going to do a Facebook. Good I'm for her. Do whatever kind of, yeah. <clears throat> but it's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, the whole yeah. thing is just bad. I mean, even now for adults, I see adults just being complete idiots and acting and, and it's so true. It's like, um, it creates narcissism. 100%. Right. I feel it, it like turns, it can turn people in normal people into a narcissist that were never a narcissist before they get so focused on themselves and their image on this stupid device yeah. that they, they can't, you know, it's so true. Like I look at social media, like, um, like nuclear power, you know, if it's done, if it's channeled and contained and done well, then it's great. It's amazing. It's an amazing tool. And Absolutely. then if not, you get a Chernobyl and yeah. it's like, <laughs> bad yeah, it's really bad <laughs> really bad and and you know social media being what it is it's yeah. it's very i mean it's a great analogy because one bad post dude <laughs> like i mean we had to survive the woke and you know the woke era i don't i'm you know like i in sociology classes in the future there'll probably be this whole chapter on you know the woke culture and what that really what what really happened there but yeah dude during during this time period i've been I've become a little, because the other thing too is for, you know, you know, in our industry, we, we also engage on social media to connect with our, our customers and our, our clients, our friends and, and the fans that we have. And, you know, that's, that's something that I feel I used to not, used to not be too enthralled about, you know, because it was just like, well, you know, like we talked about this a little bit before we got on the air, which is you know, like when I'm done training, I just want to go back to my hotel or the house or wherever and unplug. Cause I, because it's such a, you know, people don't realize that the, the mental energy that goes into being on the fire line as an instructor, right. Watching everybody is, is a huge drain mm -hmm. and being, you know, then not being able to turn that off when you go out to socialize just means that you're in the deficit, you're in a mm -hmm. hole and you're just, you never really catch up until you can literally like block yourself in a room mm -hmm. and just stay there. So yeah. I've been a little standoffish with social media for a while, but now, you know, you have to engage, you have to be out there. You have to kind of do that sort of thing. So you're, yeah, you're, you, you start to, you know, not be in there starts to send other messages. Right? It's true. Actually, you know, it's so funny because I was talking to somebody <clears throat> and they were mentioning how um, in today's day and age from a security profile point of view back, back, you know, back, oops, back when we were there, you know, there was, um, there's also, kind of like, Hey, you know, the quiet professional, don't, mm -hmm. don't go out, don't go bragging, don't go do any of that stuff. Be, be, be a professional. So I also did not like to engage in, in, in social media for that reason. But he was telling me that in this day and age, it is considered a red flag. If you don't have anything on social media from a security pro point of view, that means that there's something kind of wrong. So I was like, you're hiding something. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a complete 180 from when we kind of were growing up, like when it was actually preferred for you not to have any social media. Now it's like, yeah, guys need to have, if not, that's a red flag. So, mm -hmm. um, so next question would be like, what's been the biggest challenge in your life? Biggest challenge in my life. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's probably still coming. <laughs> that's awesome that you have that yeah, perspective though. I don't, I don't know that well, I mean, I've had challenges, sure. but is there anything that like, oh, this almost got me? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I, I mean, so I'm a big believer in that there's been a lot of things on the way that I thought I wanted 
right? Mm. I wish, I mean, this is what I want. This is where I should go. This is what should happen. Uh-huh. And then had it happened, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Wow. And so, I mean, I can look back and go, oh man, I wish I had this or that. Or this. Yeah, yeah. The reality is the things fell in place. And, and again, it's one of those things where oh, that didn't work out, but this is working out. So I'm going to put my head down and go in this direction. Right? I I'm like gonna, that. I'm going to give this all I got. And, and that has been, you know, you know, it's at this point wildly successful for me. I mean, yeah. I'm in a position that I, you know, when I was a kid, right. Yeah. Would have never thought that I would be at this point in my life. Right? Yeah. And again, let's be honest. When I was 18, I didn't think I'd make it to 30. Right. <laughs> I had like similar, similar. Joining, joining the Marine Corps, eventually something will pop up yeah. and I'll go. Yeah. I probably won't make it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's been many of times where I've like, yep. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. I'm probably going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh only because I had almost the exact same mindset. Yeah. Just like that. That's, this is what, it, this is what happens. Yeah. But until I do, yeah. you're going to get it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's funny too, because, you know, I look at, um, and greatest challenge may not have been the right way to put it, but really interested in like, how do you approach challenges? Um, I mean, we kind of hit on it already. Like what, what, what needs to happen here? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for, from a business standpoint, who do I need to go see or hire Mm. to help me do this? Mm. If I can't afford to do that, (laughs) right. Yeah. How do I learn how to do it so that I can make it happen? I mean, example I would use is, <clears throat> when we were going to put uh, red dots on the 92, right? <clears throat> there's not a, that's not a good way to do it. Right? I mean, there was no good way. Yeah. And I wanted Beretta to do it. I was like, you guys need to do this. I mean, we got to figure this out. Yeah. 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 And they came back and, and said, well, you know, the first thing was it's impossible. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> you, that word doesn't that's, exist. Yes. <laughs> impossible. And the second silly, one was like, silly well, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll do it this way. And they showed me and I was like, that's not going to work. It's way too high. It's, this is the problem. That's the problem. I tried to tell them and, um, you know, and they're a manufacturer, they're going to do it the way that is the most logical from a production standpoint with the least amount of changes and not so changing, you know, any, as few amount of parts as possible. Yeah. Henry Ford kind of thing. Right? Yep. And I was like, well, no, we got it. I'm like, okay. And then they, and at that point they were like very noncommittal about if they were going to do it or not. Um, so I was like, well, we, I gotta do this. And then you start talking to people about design and parts and they were like, well, you know, you need to hire someone and do drawings and put it in solid works and all this other kind of stuff. And I was like, what if I just taught myself how to do solid works and design the parts myself? Um, then I could do that. So I taught myself how to do solid works, bought (laughs) solid works. I bought a computer for it. I bought went out and reached out to SolidWorks and how much does it cost? And it's not cheap, by the way. It's really expensive. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot cheaper than hiring someone that has to do so many design iterations because you're trying to explain to them what it needs right? to be and they do it and you go, nope, that's not quite it. Start over. And then you're paying them an hourly rate or whatever oh my it is. God, yeah. So I just taught myself how to do it. I love that. And, and design the plates and design the firing pan and the firing pin block and, you know, just, 
on, and we've now designed a bunch of parts. I designed a bunch of parts on SolidWorks because it was cheaper for me to do that um, and way faster yeah. than it was to try to outsource it to somebody else. So this is a great, this is a great point because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you become basically jack of all trades, master of none. You know, you have to do a little bit of everything. You know, you have to be a web designer. You have to be a webmaster. You have mm-hmm. to do social media. You have to do all this stuff. And eventually you get to a point where you can, you can outsource it. But right. in the beginning, you know, when you want to, when you want to try to make those big gains, those big achievements, it, it's on you. Right. It's on you to do that. So that's an, that's an impressive step <laughs> and of, of overcoming the challenge because, excuse me, trying to deal with, and I wouldn't say there, there are bureaucracy, but there's a bureaucratic process. Yeah to make any kind of change at that level, you know, at a, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, just, just make, just moving the mic that much would cost, you know, you know, there'd be like, well, let's make a, let's do a study to make sure that's going to work. And then do we have everybody involved in this? So well, in in Beretta's case and in their defense, um, their, uh, you know, their process of validating something that they've changed is Mm -hmm. really extensive. And it requires a lot of live fire and multiple guns and all kinds of stuff. So when you go to them and say, make a change, you know, it's like, that's a, yeah, it does, yeah, it's, I mean, just, they just, oh, we'll do that tomorrow. Now, it takes a really long time. Yeah. You know, they've been doing this for really, you know, 500, almost 500 years. I was point, just going right? to say, so yeah. they're, you know, they are pretty entrenched in the way they, they do things yeah. and their processes because yeah. they have had things that, you know, didn't go the way they wanted and didn't have the <laughs> results they wanted. And what is required for something as a product in the pistol world has changed. Yeah. Right. I mean, so true. What, what we want it to do and how long we want it to last and all of those things is different than it was. New for 2023 from CMMG, the compact action descent is now in nine millimeter. Their descent line took portability to a whole new level and now they've done it again. Available in 6.5 and 10.5 barrel lengths, This compact platform offers the modularity of the AR-15 while being compatible with a wide range of magazines and ammo. The soft recoiling radial delayed blowback system makes this pleasant to shoot and comes with the reliability that CMMG is known for. For more info, check out CMMG.com. So this is a great opportunity to talk about your involvement in the, in the shooting world and particularly, you know, the, the original work, I believe you, you kind of started, you cut your teeth with Beretta as far as trying to innovate. And at that level that, you know, it's one thing to innovate at like maybe a smaller, like maybe not as well-known company, but you just kind of went right after one of the longest running oldest companies in existence for our industry. Yeah. How did that happen? <clears throat> oh, that happened because I needed a job. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay. You know, I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, I lived in Northern Virginia out processed from the Marine Corps from Quantico. Okay. Um, that's, all, we're not even going to get into that the whole story. Um, and I needed a job and I was looking around and I'm, I'm, I'm a Marine, Marine sniper, you know, yeah. CQB guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What you I mean? Put that on your resume, especially in the, in the er, what late nineties. Yeah. Like that, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, gun company or not companies in general didn't go, Oh, this guy's got great military experience. We can, he understands leadership and mm-hmm. he can do this and mm-hmm. organization and yep. discipline. We yeah. should bring that guy in. We yeah. cultivate him into something amazing. Yeah. 
I think more companies understand that now. Hundred percent. A lot more military, but back then they were like, "You don't, you know, you don't have a college degree. You don't have this. Or what are we going to oh do?" Oh my god! So, um, and you know, so my options were limited. And so Beretta was like, you know, I went in to interview for a, a law enforcement sales position, actually. Nice. Which I did not get. Oh. But they were like, "Oh, well, we like you though. You seem pretty squared away, and you know guns, so." we're going to stick you over in customer service. So I started at Beretta talking to people on the phone. No way. Yeah. Listening to poster children for gun control. Talk about their, I mean. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you, people get on the phone and you're like, oh yeah, I don't understand. I blew my gun up. And I was like, how'd you blow it up? I was reloading. And I'm like, I ran out of this powder. So I just mix these powders together and I fill the case up, swipe the top off, stick the bullet on it. That's how you load. And I'm like, oh my God. I am not, I'm I, I believe you. Oh, I believe unbelievable you. Unbelievable <laughs> the stuff that you hear when you talk to people. I believe you. And so that's how I got into Beretta. Nice. And then, the, you know, then it kind of grew from there. You know, I mean, I put your head down, you do great work. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're, you're the, I think I left there as the uh, law enforcement operations manager. Damn. So you just keep working up. You keep working and up and you do good stuff. And, well, that's another good <clears> thing too. You know, like, um. I feel like there's a big value and there's, and you're right in today's way, I would say probably the last 10 to 15 years, corporate America has started to recognize that while many veterans may not have, and it's, it's changing because more veterans are coming out with degrees or getting their degrees and, and now they're competitive within that marketplace. But what corporate America has also started to realize is that there are certain traits, characteristic traits that uh, many veterans possess that are actually quite uh, quite positive, even mm-hmm. if they don't, you know, meet corporate culture kind of, you know, traditions, if you well, will. As you kind of mentioned, you can teach people how to do things, but there are certain things you can't teach. Mm-mm. Right. And there's a lot of kids that, you know, they, um, uh, you know, I, Elon Musk, love him or hate him. He says a lot of cool stuff, but yeah. the college degrees are, don't mean anything because you, it means you did your homework. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're good at anything. Yeah. And true. people are, you know, on the other side of like, you know, oh, of course. Fuck you, man. <laughs> right. But it's but so I true. Mean, and, and so, and, and education is free. Yeah. At this point, you can go learn how to do anything you want. Dude, that's so true. And, it, and I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like the value of, and it was something that we talked about a little bit earlier. You know, there's uh, certain characteristic traits that I feel like are very valuable. And one of them is like that, that drive the drive to try to, you know, to be disciplined, to learn new things, to kind of push yourself outside your comfort zone. That drive is, is very innate with many veterans. Many veterans have that naturally because, you know, we're, we're, and and particularly in your case, you know, you're, you're kind of plopped down in certain areas and all right, go do it. You know, we, we trust you, you have the skills, go do it. And you just kind of go and do it. And that's another thing that I feel like is really valuable because, you know, we kind of also, uh, I think corporate America is changing how they look at leadership from a more of a decentralized kind of command and control. Whereas before it was very centralized at the top, had to always come from the top. And now they're recognizing that the folks on the f- ground floor are actually more connected with the customer base and they are making better decisions at that point. And it's faster. They're more agile and able to adapt to the marketplace a little bit quicker. So it, to me, whenever I read stuff like that, I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's like, um, that's unconventional warfare right there. They're figuring out how to work in small, right. you know, small units, special operations type stuff. Oh, right. great. Congratulations, yeah. corporate America. You finally figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, but I got, I got an interesting thing that go seg- segue onto this because we, 
you know, you and I always are going to have this tendency to start talking about military stuff and, yeah, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, and I'll, I'll give, give my wife credit for this. One of the things we've been heavily involved in over the last 18 months or so, uh, maybe longer than that is <clears throat> we have right now in our industry, the gun industry, so many new gun owners. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. And we, the pejorative, we all like to, you know, like, well, you know, you have to have a military background. You have to have a law enforcement background. You have to have yeah. all those kind of stuff. And what we've tried, we're trying to do is kind of send the message to the gun community that, hey, you need to be a little bit more welcoming and opening oh, to yes. these new gun owners and talk to them and meet them where they are instead of trying to, you know, teach yeah. them like they're in the military, teach them like they're in the academy. And so we I mean, uh, put together, we've, I don't know if you've seen our Discover site. I don't think so. So, it, you know, it's, we have LTT Discover and it is a, we've done a ton of high quality videos that the whole goal is to try to be very free educational. Yes. To teach you basic gun handling, uh, how to carry concealed, uh, draw stroke, um, you know, women, it's how do women carry concealed. We've had Tessa Booth on, or, you know, Tessa Booth from Arm, I, Armed and Style. She yeah, was out yeah, there. Yeah. Well, her husband, Mitchell Booth, like almost won the shoot off. Oh, and wow. Like, he's, he's an amazing shooter. Wow. Really, really talented. Um, and so we brought people in, brought people in from Filster, yeah. you know, to, to, to help us using the Enigma and talk about how you conceal. So we, you know, and the idea or the, if you go out, you should, I highly encourage you to go kind of watch these videos because yeah. the idea was to not be tactical yeah, about yeah. it, if you will, not be like using acronyms and yeah. what you need to do. Is For sure. Or, you know, coming across from a militaristic type standpoint, a little bit more open and the way we teach to try to give these people the tools. And then again, we kind of like to use the term, meet them where they are. I like in that. Their, in their carry journey. Mm -hmm. Like, where are you? Are yeah. you, are you at the point? And, and Amy's really good at it because she did not grow up with guns. Right. I mean, she wasn't, you know, she had shot a couple of guns before she'd been with me. She's, she's been involved in, you know, law enforcement sales for most of her career. Yeah. I think that's how um, I actually met her first. Yep. Well, absolutely. I, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And, um, so she come, you know, and then she, we, her and I start, you know, dating and it's like, wait a minute, you know, okay, she's got to learn how to do this. And it was super intimidating for her. And huh. it was a very, I mean, it was a big learning curve for me. A hundred percent. Because, you know, there's a lot of things that you and I take for granted. Oh yeah. That you, oh yeah. Here's, you know, this, that, and the other. And it, I had to learn like, oh yeah, I can't expect this or I can't teach this. And yeah. I'm not just going to jump into this. And so it took her a while to learn and kind of do that. And so her take on it is like, Hey, you know, there are a lot of people where I was and they want to get to this other place, but it's a, an intimidating, yeah, stressful, difficult, yeah. scary journey for people to learn and yeah. go down this path and get to the point where they are comfortable carrying yeah. stuff. So, First of all, <clears throat> I, I'm thrilled to hear that. I really am. Um, you know, several years ago, when I was, I, I kind of made a shift in my career path where I went to work as the director of training at an indoor range, beautiful mm -hmm. indoor range in Austin. And we catered to 
this was before the pandemic. So we started to see a, a, a trend developing where your um, non-traditional gun buyer were starting to make an appearance. Right. And, and, you know, my, my complaint, and I'm, I'm sure you might share this with the industry is that we haven't been welcoming. We haven't addressed their needs. We haven't really provided them with material to help them recognize that, you know, this is something that they can achieve. They can do this. I mean, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And, and don't look at my military career per se as a, um, as, as a, well, you know, I had, I have to go through all those hoops to get to that level. That's not entirely true. There's plenty of people who have provided, you know, great role model or lead, you know, mentorship kind of processes. And, and I think hopefully more programs like what you're doing will resonate with more people. I mean, we have like, I don't even know what the correct accurate numbers are as far as new gun owners, but so many of them are just, they're being, they're, they're left to fend for themselves. Right. Because the industry as a whole has not recognized that we, we have to take a step back. And I've done like, so when like, let's see, I think we opened the range up in like 20, 2017, 2018. I can't remember exactly when it was. I watched on social media. Oh, did you? Yeah. I was following you. I know. I was was, like, he's going to run a gun range. (laughs) But it was, I'll tell you, it was for him. He doesn't have to travel all the time. Oh, well, that was, yeah, that was the hope. (laughs) But the good thing too, was that it, it really, I'm going to be honest that at that point in my life, I was like, you know what? I just, I need to be working at where I can, and where I can do the most good, which in my opinion was like, okay, guys that are fighting overseas, law enforcement frontline here in the States. And, you know, maybe the private citizens over here. And I went through, um, a reality check for myself when I was realizing, okay, you know what? There are thousands of guys that can work with this, the military guys, there's thousands of guys that can work with the law enforcement, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of people that are willing to work with this new gun crowd. And what I want is I want, like I mentioned earlier, the A talent pool to be addressing, because I mean, these new, I want them to see that the best of the best is willing to work with them and bring them along this journey and mm-hmm. share with them all the trials and tribulations, but kind of give them a, a, a fast track, if you will, so they can kind of figure that out. And so I'm thrilled to hear that. I feel like more should be done in that area. And I hope that the message that the audience hears is that, you know, we need to, we need to kind of crack the whip on the industry as a whole. Right. And it's, it's hard to say industry and because you can't really point to one thing, you know, there's right. not, there's not a centralized command here. Well, it's, it's, all our, it's all of our fault that we're that way. It is. We all have a tendency to want to go, well, how can he teach me how to shoot? What's his background? Yeah. Is he, you know, he's, yeah. is he law enforcement, military, whatever. If, exactly. he, if he's not that, he doesn't know how to shoot. And that's completely not true. <sighs> um, but how do we get people um, from a less intimidating standpoint yeah. to, to bring them along yeah. the journey that yeah. they have to go through to get to that next thing? And yeah. um, I think that the, the, you know, that is something that the industry needs to address. And one of the issues that we ran into is that uh, most companies, if they're, you're talking about gun companies, when you yeah. start down this path, they go, well, how do we monetize that? We need to make money doing that. <laughs> and so we went down this path and I'm like, oh, we'll monetize. It'll be a membership and you pay this and you want And we're like, nope, nope, we're not going to do it. We're just going to invest in it. Yeah. Hope it's it the pays, right thing. Hope it pays off. But this is important. I we were like, really this is super, that. super important that we help people down this path. Yeah. This is when people talk about being pro two A. Yeah. Right. Yes. 
Show um, me. And my, my wife is, Amy's big on this. Yeah. Right? Like you say you're pro two-way, but how are you bringing more people into this community? That's are you helping 100%. them in or are you scaring them away? Yes. And you know, what's, what's <clears throat> really nice to hear um, is that, you know, I feel like the more that we talk about this, the obviously the more likely we are to see some change. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what that change is going to be, but I do know that the, the, you know, that the more, that we recognize that we're not helping ourselves as an industry by alienating these people. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, it, it can go a lot of different ways. Like I've always, you, you hear people talk about, well, what's his resume? Why, what, how is he able to teach? But we've also created this kind of like two headed monster where on the one side we say, well, it shouldn't be what his resume says. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, it's like, well, what does his resume say? Mm-hmm. You know? So, in my, you know, what I try to get across to people is like, you, you want somebody to be able to connect with you mm-hmm. that has ability to empathize mm-hmm. with the, the, all those fears that you just described, all right. those concerns that you have until you can actually put yourself in their shoes. It's hard for them to build. It's hard to build, build that trust. Absolutely. And, and eventually get that trust. Um, well, it's, it's difficult for um, people that maybe do have the background like you and I have, where people say, well, you know, yeah. it's not about body armor and helmets and night vision goggles and whatever, because we all love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have anything against that. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if that's what you want to do, great. For sure. But that's definitely not the starting point for people that are like, <laughs> hey, I want to buy a gun. Well, what you need is a set of $10,000 night vision goggles. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, that's what, so what, true. What are you, it's, you know, it's you, so true. Uh, you know, I mean, oh, you need a one second draw. <laughs> I, I need a one second draw. Yeah. It's going to take you like seven years of training <laughs> and you're going to have 10,000 hours of practice and then you'll be ready. <laughs> right? It's like, what, what? <laughs> I just want to protect myself and my family. I know. And that's, that's all <laughs> the things that we do within our industry as a whole yeah. to create that. Uh, intimidation or that, oh, uh, yeah. that, that Big fear time. factor, you know, and, and, and I, you're, you're right. We do it to ourselves and it's, it's frustrating because I can see that too. And I, I try to look at the industry and I try to say, okay, well, what can I do to try to create this shift? Right. What can I do? And, you know, obviously I had no idea that, that was something that you, that you guys had worked on. I'm thrilled to hear that. Definitely yeah. want to support that. Yeah. We'll, but get, you, we'll get you the information. So you, oh, so absolutely. We'll so put it in the show notes. 100%. Absolutely. It, and, and uh, here's the uh, really the thing that's probably makes me the proudest of it. Oh, nice. <clears throat> and again, this is, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due because I'm the, I'm the gear guy that, you know, figure out how to build stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, this is Amy's project. She's her and Bill kind of drove this train and nice. their ideas of like, Oh yeah, this is great. And, um, but Amy really drove the train on it. But when you go, like I was at the shot show and a guy in the Ruger booth goes, Man, those Discover Visit videos are awesome. I use those in my classes all the time. Nice. When I, 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 you know, I work at the range and I teach new shooters and I use those videos to help them. And that's I'm like, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's like we're having an impact and people are using this information to help, you know, people <sighs> along the path. And so that's like huge. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, it gives uh, you a little goosebump. Uh, yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, <clears throat> when we, uh, we, uh, I got approached by Brownells. I can't remember how many shot shows again, but it was like right before the pandemic. And, and they, um, 
they, I don't know how they found out about this, but they heard a, an idea that I had, which is similar to what you were talking about. We need to address this. We need to have something. And it, it like, I've had several conversations with past students that did wonderful things to protect their families. Thank God for that. And those are very um, rewarding, very mm-hmm. rewarding. But when we did the daily defense videos, to have um, some feedback, like you were describing, it was very moving to me, very yeah. moving to hear how people were more willing to take that first step. You know, they were on the fence maybe. Now they're more comfortable navigating through these waters and actually they feel, okay, I, I, I can maybe stay away from over this stuff over here and find, you know, the path over here kind of thing. They've kind of started to figure it out. And I guess the reason why I bring this up is that there is, there is, there are forces within our industry that are trying to reach out to these people. It's just, mm-hmm. we're just starting. It's a oh, slow yeah. roll right now. Oh yeah. It's yeah, going to yeah. take some time, but I, you know, those that are watching my, 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 I, I don't want to go out and say guarantee, but my promise is that there are enough of us in the industry that recognize this mm-hmm. and it's just going to take time to really yeah. get to get to that point right. that we all want and yeah. really will. But I'm happy about that. What about, let's shift gears a little bit. What about mistakes? How do you handle like what, like when a mistake happens and you realize, Oh, uh, yep, that was a big mistake. How do you handle that? Oh, wow. So failure is part of moving forward, right? You're this kind of happened. Yeah, right? yeah. I just had one just recently where I did some math wrong on a site that we were having built. So I had a thousand sites built to the wrong size. They are garbage. I'm so sorry. It was expensive. <laughs> I'm sure it was. But the, I mean, the, the, the first thing is like, you just got to admit you made a mistake. You screwed up. You got to admit it. You got to yeah. own it. Right. You have to say, yep, that is my fault. Oh, I screwed God. that up. I didn't give that the time that it deserved. I didn't check my stuff. I didn't do whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> my fault. Yeah. You got to own it. You just, there's no way, there's just no way around it. If yeah. you try to skirt it and be like, well, you know, because of this and he did that, oh. and geez, whatever. And then, and you know, somebody else should have checked it. No, uh-uh. you gotta own it. Yeah. You gotta go. Yep. I screwed up. You I, know, for, I forgot to do this. I didn't do that. I didn't whatever. Cause I mean, and that, I mean, it's, it's daily. If you tell me you're not making mistakes every day and you're not forgetting something, yeah. you're, some, you're lying to yourself. I think that's a hundred percent right there. Um, you know, first of all, you know, we are all fallible. I myself am probably more fallible than many. And I make, you know, like when I make a mistake, there was this point in time when I would just get so mad at myself that I made the mistake that I forgot to really value the lesson that the mistake mm-hmm. should teach me. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're like, Oh, you get so angry and you're just all pissed off. And then, you know, it's taken me, I guess I have matured, to finally recognize, okay, that mistake happened. Like you said, own it. That's the first step. A hundred percent is to mm-hmm. acknowledge it. And then the second step is, okay, what does it teach me? Mm-hmm. What do I get from this? You know, I, this came at a cost. Well, let me at least take some value from that cost. Right. How do I move forward? So uh, I've tried to do that. And it's not always successful, but sure. I, I do try to make that a part of my learning process these days. And I love that too. Cause I feel like in today's world, there's, um, uh, you know, Owning up to responsibility is not as prevalent nowadays as it was maybe, maybe a while back. Right. And that's, that's unfortunate, but it, it it is something that I think is the most important thing that you can do to not just, but you know, let's talk about like in a, in a company, if you don't take ownership of that mistake, you also start to lose 
trust in your employees, mm-hmm. trust in your leadership above you. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, you're not fooling anybody. They probably are. Everybody well, knows. Exactly. Well, I, they all know. They make fun of me now. Okay. No. Okay. I go in. Do you need a slide rule? I, yeah, yeah. Can I, should I give you a little slide rule? You need, you need a calculator. You, you know, there's a calculator on your phone, right? You, you, can, you can, you can do math without trying to do, you know, yeah. do Thanks. You, don't you have to do a lot of math as a sniper? You should know how to do math. Oh God, that, well, that was hard. That hurt my brain. Just thinking about that. My, my math back then was not, not good. It's not good. It's not much better now. Like still trying to convert MOA to mill. I'm like, ah, my head hurts. So luckily you're right. I can just pull up my phone now and, yeah. and do, do it on my phone. Back in exactly. the day, you know, we had, I, I'm sure you guys had this too, because you guys were uh, leading the pack in a sense, the, you know, like the, the laminated sheets that had all the, you know, every yard line and what every mill meant. Oh God. And taking those in the field and trying to figure all that stuff out. Oh God, that was, that was, that was painful. I still have the uh, little solar somewhere. I still have the little solar powered calculator that I used to tote around with me. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. The solar power. I did that when I was like, you you know, and there was the joke uh, at some point you have to be able to do it. You know, you have to be able to do it without the calculator. So you got to be able to do the, you know, do the math. Yeah. You be able to do long division and oh, you know, God. whatever kind of stuff. And, uh, and the, the answer was, you're not going to have a calculator with you all the time. <laughs> yes, how, how yes. things have changed. You know, it's so funny too, mm. because you know, like there would have been a time when going into the field with a, with a phone or something like that would have been like, <gasps> You can't do that. That's OPSEC. That's OPSEC. You're, you're, you're violating all sorts of OPSEC rules. And now it's like, well, I need to have this because I've got so much connection with all the other battle, mm-hmm. everybody else in the battle space. It's yep. crazy. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what's going on for you and where's your future vision at now? Oh, we're just, uh, I mean, obviously Langdon Tactical is, is, has been growing pretty, yes. pretty quickly. hundred percent. Um, we've done really, really well. Uh, it's, I mean, it is difficult, I would say. Um, because it's, <clears throat> I, we say this all the time. I mean, inventory management's the bane of our existence. You know I mean? Just trying to manage that and people don't <laughs> understand it. And I don't know what the number is now, but I think we're up to like 1300 SKUs or something like that. What? So, um, it's crazy. And you know, I mean, this has been going on for a long time, but barcodes and scanners and, you know, managing numbers and oh, doing yeah. all that other kind of stuff and counting, you know, you end up having to count parts and we're like, why are we off on our numbers? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, so that, but the future is doing a better job at that, growing, nice. adding new products, um, you know, working with the vendor partners that we have now to, you know, come up with, you know, new products that the customers are asking yeah. for, you know? And so I've got, you know, two parts for me is, uh, you know, me being the kind of the idea guy or as my, yeah. um, Amy calls me the gungeoneer. Right? Oh, I like that. I'm not really, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a school trained engineer, but I got a lot of experience in the gun industry and yeah. product development and everything. So I'm merging those two together. So I have to figure out, okay, so what is good, you know, what ideas do I have that people will go, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, so we, that's what we got going on. You know, yeah. So. That sounds, well, it's, it's exciting because, you know, that's, that's the name of the game, innovate. You're continuing, you know, that's, that's what you're doing. You are innovating as you move forward. And as new products enter the market, you, you know, from, from what I observe is when, uh, what you do very well is you'll see a product and you'll see that that product can be better. 
mm-hmm. and then you'll see, uh, or then, and then you'll innovate in a manner that helps to improve that product, which might've already been a good product, but mm-hmm. you just have this knack, if you will, for making that product better. So as long as can, as long as there's more products being delivered, there's probably going to be more opportunities for you to innovate new right. things and new directions. Uh, I, I guess the question that I have for you is that, are you going to stay kind of in the, in just the mainly the gun kind of industry, or are you going to start looking at stuff outside of the industry? I mean, right now we're going to stay in the gun kind of industry. I think one of the things that we have done uh, that has made us successful is, you know, we have our certain niches that we are good at. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm all about diversifying. Mm. Right. But at the same time, you have to stay with what you're good at. No, you a lot of companies, and when a lot of people start saying, oh, I think I'm going to jump over here and start doing this thing. Um, might work out really well for you. It might be, you know, it might not. Mm. And if you'd have taken that same energy and devoted it towards something that you know you're good at, yeah. that you can deliver yeah. upon or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying don't diversify and I'm saying any of those kind of things, but right now I think we're going to, we're going to stay within nice. the, the industry and the areas that we're good at, the things that I know. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I know I can, and I, cause I have tons of ideas still. I mean, there's <laughs> lots of things that we can do, um, but you just can't do them all at once. So true. You don't have the bandwidth to do them all at once. So, so true. Prioritize, figure out what the you know next thing is, spend the time dedicating towards it. And, nice. You know. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about, you know, the double action, mm-hmm. double action pull. And, you know, for, for the record, um, during the pandemic, I, you know, I'm sure we all did kind of weird things during the pandemic. One of the things that I did was um, every month I changed out my carry gun. Mm-hmm. I'd go to the range and I'd had a little pro dev session to get me refamiliar with it and get back into it, feel comfortable and confident to carry it on a daily basis. And um I pulled back out both my 226 and my 92F that oh, nice. I, yeah. So I spent a month on each of those and, and you know, there was a little bit of nostalgia that was kind of welling up mm-hmm. in me and a little mm-hmm. bit of fondness. And maybe there was also, Oh, uh, you know, the learning curve was still kind of, you know, obviously I don't, I don't put the time into them like you do, but it was still such a, such a, I'm not going to lie, pleasant experience to get back onto those double action pulls. So when you are, you know, you are considered to be the savad for double action, what are some of the, like the, the easy cells that you can help people to understand the advantages behind the double action? Um, so in my opinion, the thing that the, a DA gun does, mm-hmm. okay, um, is that the first shot is, has to be a deliberate shot. I mean, it's very difficult. Can you accidentally pull through a, sure, you know, yeah. seven, eight pound, or if it's a stock gun, 12 pound double action? <laughs> And, you know, yeah, you can, yeah. um, but it's, you got to work at it. Yeah. Right. You, you really do. So it's, it's way from that standpoint, the, it's, it gives you a margin of error that a short light trigger does not. Interesting. Okay. So, and, and the way I, I like to correlate it is, um, in the striker fired world now we have, We've, we're going down this path. We're making the trigger shorter and lighter and shorter and lighter and shorter yeah. and lighter to the, to the extent that, um, there's, you know, there's, it's a really easy gun to shoot. And I'm like, yep, it sure is. hundred percent. It's very easy to, shoot. another way to put it, it's an easy gun to fire. Go bang. Yes. Yeah. Um, and 
the, the thing I try to draw people's attention to, because a lot of people don't really understand how their gun works. Huh. Okay. So they, they look at a striker fire gun and they go, well, I mean, it looks just like a Glock. So it just has a much better trigger. And if I were to say, hey, we're going to, hey, Staccato, I, we need to build a new gun. Yeah. You guys are making spectacular guns now. Let's build a new one, but let's just get rid of that thumb safety and grip safety. We don't need that. <laughs> right? That's too much. I mean, I don't have to worry about taking a safety off. I got to, you know, it'll have a nice, great, you know, three and a half pound trigger. Yeah. Super crisp. Oh, you should put a little tab on the trigger to keep it from, or maybe not. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> and we'll launch that. And they'd look at me and go, you're an idiot. There's the door. <laughs> and why would they say that? Because you can see the hammer's cock. Yeah. But if I hide all that inside a slide with a fully tensioned striker and very little engagement and a short, you know, pre-travel and yeah. really light trigger with a great reset and all that other kind of stuff, we go, well, that's fine. No problem there at all. Yeah. Well, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> That's an, that is a huge, huge epiphany for a lot of people. I mean, that, cause that, the reality going to be guys are out there with these guns. I mean, some of the triggers that are coming on, you know, these oh. major manufacturers, factory striker fire guns are amazing triggers. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? They're amazingly light, easy to go bang triggers. And so for a DA gun puts some margin of error in there. Now, Am I saying that a DA gun is for everybody? It's not because there's some people, if your hands are not big enough, the reach to that trigger is just too much. You're not going to be able to get a proper grip on the gun yeah. and reach to that DA. And some striker fired guns, the reach yeah. is too much. Yeah. Okay. Right? So you have to find the gun that fits you. And we, you know, the, the, to say that one size fits all is just completely incorrect. Yeah. So, um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that striker fire guns are wrong. Right. Uh, but you definitely have to be very aware with your gun handling yeah. doing that. You know, one thing I like about yeah. how you express that is you have to be very deliberate with that first trigger. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, uh, the decision to employ deadly force does not come lightly or easily. And I feel like the, um, like, there's that... There's that the, the moment of sorts where folks start to move their finger to the trigger and I kind of rep, I, I represent it like it's almost like a whoopee. You know, even though we teach people to keep their finger on the home position, the register until they're ready to fire. Mm-hmm. So many people will move their finger inside the trigger guard. Especially when you put them under stress. Exactly. So, um, the, you know, nobody, I say nobody, people don't want to hear this, mm. but when you take a person and, you know, you start talking to law enforcement and you start talking about, Hey, you're, you know, when you're running force on force, do you have a hard time people keeping their finger off the trigger? And like, God, oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. We do. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and then the same guy will go, yeah, we can't have two trigger pulls. Right. Whatever. We need a, we need a striker fire gun. Yeah. Right. Cause I can get everybody to qualify on the range. Man. Right. It's an easier gun. I hear to that. Teach people how yep. to shoot. So, I, I, and I mean, I, I, I can't say and tell you, here's the answer. And again, I don't think one size fits all. Um, but what I would say to you is, uh, I mean, there was a bunch of DA guns, traditional DA guns in the shoot off yesterday at TACCON. Really? A bunch of them. Nice. Yeah. The, and I think I'm pretty sure the guy that won 
was carrying a, a, a SIG 229. No way. Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm I like pretty darn sure yeah. that he was. But he's carrying concealed, so you, you know, you can't like, say, bang, yeah. bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. Yeah. I'm like, what was that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, one of my regrets and I don't, I, you know, I have plenty of regrets was like when I left the Navy, I, I sold all my SIGs. I, I had like three two two sixes and one two two eight, And these were all like early edition from, from overseas. They weren't mm-hmm. the ones that were produced in the States. And I kind of, when I was playing with my two two six during this little period, this pandemic period, I was like, God, man, you know what? I really wish I had kept those. And I'll tell you the reason why I really enjoyed it was the uh, attention to detail. Like when I was shooting, when I got back into shooting those double actions, the, um, the attention to detail as far as trigger finger placement, maximize leverage, the, the, you know, making sure that my finger was, you know, in a good position to place, to press or place pressure on the face of the trigger and not on the edge. All of these things were magnified because the influences that I was putting on them would, would create more of an error. So as I put more attention to detail on all of that, then I started to see everything kind of fall into place. And when I moved back to, um, like, I, I think I went, it was like double action, double action, uh, 1911. I did carry 1911 for a while. And then I went back to, I, I carried a, um, a wheel gun, which is again, double action, I guess. And then eventually I got back to the striker fired guns, but because I had done a lot of work on those double action trigger pulls, when I got back to that, that striker fired gun, my attention to detail on all those things was huge. And I, I, you, and even then you could see the benefit. So I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is people will probably knock the double actions more so. And I mean, like when I left the Navy, you couldn't, you could not pay me to shoot a double action. I was just so like, oh, I don't want to play with this anymore. But with time, I recognized that the double action had value that I did not appreciate at the time. It right. took me some time to really kind of come back to those roots. Right. And now I recommend that, you know, if you're struggling in some cases, a double action trigger pull can help you figure out some of these problems, you know, can come help you to, it won't solve everybody's problems. Like nope. you said, not, nothing ever will, but as a diagnostic tool and a, and a, and a way to kind of help build skill and technique, it's sometimes overlooked as far as like, mm-hmm. um, I know, I think it's uh, Daryl Bulky is one who really promotes, you know, working hard on a double action trigger pull just to help improve your ability to work that single action trigger pull, or in this case, a striker fired. Gun. Yeah. I've heard a lot of guys say right? that. Yeah. A lot of guys say yeah. that you spend some time with the DA gun and you'll, It'll, it'll help you hundred percent. Yeah. You know, learn how to drive. So other guns. Well, what I think, I think people, um, the best way that I can put it is that there is value. Mm -hmm. The value is yet to be determined, but Mm -hmm. to say that there's not value can sometimes be kind of, um, short-sighted by a lot of people. I'll I'll give you the one last, not one last, there's a whole bunch of them, but the other thing I really like about a DA gun. Yeah. Okay, is yeah. I can holster my gun with oh, my thumb yeah. on the back of my hammer. Dude. I carry a pen. <laughs> so I can positively control the firing mechanism of that gun yeah. in my holster. Yeah. Okay. That is huge. That's a big in one. In my opinion. That's the other reason that, you know, we, we took back over um, building the striker control device for the Glock. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh-uh. No, no. It's a, it's a plate that goes on the back. Of the oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So we build and sell those now. Nice. When we start getting into, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to do some Glock stuff. You know, some people that's the right gun for them. Yeah. And yeah. There's a lot of good arguments that a Glock is, a, you know, the right gun for people. Right. It's got a lot of, yeah. um, it's got a lot of uh, good value there. Um, but that striker control device, I can control the striker. Yeah. When I holster the gun. 
I'll tell you what's so funny is when I was going back in a holster without even thinking, I caught myself placing my thumb on the hammer of those double action guns. It, it was just like old habit. Just the, the muscle memory came right back in. Yeah. And I was like looking down. I'm like, huh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Hadn't done that for years yet. As mm-hmm. I'm going back into reholstering, all of a sudden I find my thumb on the hammer. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, that was actually kind of cool to see, you know, muscle memory, re, re, you know, kind of like come back to the oh, surface. Yeah. Oh yeah. It <laughs> makes, I mean, it makes it, you know, I can, I'm not saying you can't, you know, don't, I mean, again, never, oh, yeah. cover, never cover the muzzle with any, anything. You of course. Of course. hundred percent. But if you're sitting down somewhere and you need to reholster. Yeah. Kind of hard to do that. But I can put my thumb on the back of that hammer. Yeah. And I feel super confident. I know that is true. That is that a, I am controlling the firing mechanism of that gun. That's a big one. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's start wrapping things up with a final question. Okay. What, I guess, what's the biggest takeaway you want our viewers and audience to, to get from this show? Oh, biggest takeaway. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll <laughs> That's go, a good answer. We'll go down the list. Uh, <laughs> motivation is bullshit. Discipline's <laughs> important. Okay. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Love it. Education is free. Yes. Want to do something, go out there, learn how to do it. Um, you know, be focused. Uh, I would say that you know, for people that are like, Hey, especially if you're a younger person or you're a guy, not even younger, you're a guy, let's say you're getting out of the military and Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do whatever, figure out what you're passionate about. That's gonna, that's gonna, you know, get you to be disciplined and have drive and stay focused for a long time. Yeah. Find out what you're passionate about. Um, and turn that into your business. Don't try to copy what somebody else is doing because they're successful or smart. You know, do something because, hey, that's, you know, that's the easy route. Figure out what you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, I like that. Um, and put in the work. Oh, I, I mean, that. you can't, you know, it, there's a lot of time during the day. You can work. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know this, you can work a real job. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you get home at six, seven o'clock. By the time you go to bed, yeah. You got hours in front of you that yeah. you can work on your stuff. You can get up early. Start working on what that next thing is. I love that. And put yourself in a position where you're, you know, you're not relying on somebody else to pay the bills for you. That's a good point. I love that. And and, and that's good because I feel like the entrepreneurial spirit is a, <clears throat> is a great thing. I think it helps spur innovation. I think it helps spur improvements in development. It, it kind of, it, it falls, it, it kind of like finds the cracks in what's existing right now and fills those voids really well. Right. And the last thing I'll say is, for all those, you know, or AR-15, all those gun guys out there, yeah. you know, be more open to the new shooters. hundred percent. Meet them where they're at. They don't, you know, they don't have to be who you are or they don't have to meet some mold that you have built in your head. Meet them where they are, help them along their journey, help them be safe and be a good example for them. Yeah. That's great. That is so awesome. That is very powerful. I hope people really can appreciate that message. That's the, that's the money right there. All right, folks. Well, that's a wrap. First, I want to thank you, Ernest, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Where can folks find out more about you and all the wonderful things that you're doing? We're on uh, LangdonTactical.com, uh, LTT Discover. We got um, the, all the links are at Langdon Tactical. And of course, we've got Instagram, Langdon Tactical, yeah, YouTube, yeah, yeah. Langdon Tactical, yeah. Facebook, Langdon Tactical. <laughs> you know, I'm sensing if a pattern here. <laughs> if you can't find us, you're not trying very hard at all. That's a good point. <laughs> Google is your friend. That's right. 
All right. Well, I want to thank our audience for tuning in. Thank our sponsors. I want to thank the men and women for holding the line. Check out, check out our previous podcast by visiting bulletproofworkshop.com. You can learn about me and or learn more about me and training opportunities by visiting tridentconcepts.com. Until then, I'm Jeff Gonzalez. You're listening to the Bulletproof Workshop podcast. Stay safe or be dangerous.